2: recording do we have music coming in on this one nope all right in five four three do you need to restart oh we don't do that until after we come back right okay five four three welcome this is the tom bernard show filling in for tom i'm dave schrader along with andy Bernard. bernard
1: cassie schrader
2: we've got dr d carroll joining us later on in the show more news stories
0: and more right here on the tom bernard show Doug Sprinthal, Walzer Automotive Group, dot com. Tell us about this warranty for life thing. I you know, you know, you understand a lot more about this than I do.
3: Well, of course. I know you're not an automotive mechanic. So let me tell you a cool story. This just happened a couple of days ago. I got an email. Somebody emailed me at Doug at Walzer.com and he goes, Hey, I bought a 2005 and I think it was a Honda Accord back in 2014, having some problems with the engine. Uh, do I have any coverage? So
0: That's really nice, very professionally (laughs) delivered from Walzer Automotive Group, com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Well, basically we're trying to represent people who have been hurt, then talk to them before they talk to an adjuster. Uh, One of the key points is to make sure you know what your rights are before you start talking to the insurance company and they start asking you questions or they try to settle your case early and cheap. Well, what's interesting to me is, you know, a lot of people have fear of attorneys.
2: Welcome back to the show. This is the Tom Bernard Show. Tom will be back with you next Monday. You're stuck with me. I'm Dave Schrader. I'll be here with you today and tomorrow along with Andy and Cassie. Andy air. you were saying that you
4: you powered through all the Harry Potter movies. Yes. And was that the first time you'd you'd watched all of them? Technically. I had seen all of them except the last one before. Oh, the Deathly Hallows? Uh, I saw Deathly Hallows 1, but not 2. Didn't do the follow I just, yeah, I don't know. Didn't care enough, I guess. <laughs> so, I figured I, I could pretty much guess how it was going to end. Uh, did you, uh, now you, you revisit the world mm-hmm. of Harry Potter. It's been quite a while since I saw the movies last. Did, did it hold up for you? Was it good? Did you?
2: Are you glad you made it through the, the whole series again? Yeah, they're good movies. Have you seen the first Fantastic Beast movie? Yes, I saw that. Did you? Now I know we were talking about a little bit earlier. Overall, what did you think of of the movie? If you had to give it on a scale of one to five, five being it's a great movie, one
4: it sucked, where would you put it? Probably three and a half. Three and a half. All right. So yeah, it was really good CGI. Uh, The story was fine, but it was just I don't know. They tried too hard to make it not Harry Potter, even though you know that's a great explanation for it. it is Harry Potter, and they. Were tr- they were trying to basically say, "See, look, we don't have to have everything be the ha- be Harry Potter, but I mean, it's the universe." But yet, in the new movie,
2: they're they're definitely leaning t- more towards that. We get you finally get to visit uh, Hogwarts. Mm, uh, there's yeah. Albus Dumbledore played by Jude Law as a young Dumbledore. You see a young McGonagall. Not that I'm giving away too much mm. on this. You know, I mean, they're just kind of in passing characters, but you can see them setting the stage. And maybe that'll bring it in. This, You know, my daughter, I was using her as a gauge. I took her to see the first one. She didn't care for it. Yeah. And when I said, hey, do you want to go see the second movie? She goes, no, not really. I go, come on. Mm. I don't want to go by myself. She goes, fine, I'll go with you. We went in. Her story at the end of it was, oh, it's better than the first one.
4: Oh, interesting. I said, okay.
2: And I would agree. I felt it was huh. a little better. But again, I just don't think they really... I get the vibe they just don't know who they want to appeal to.
4: They don't know if they want to get new people or they want to get people who are familiar with Harry Potter and right. say, look, it's Harry Potter. And and I think part of the issue
2: is, too, that even as adults, you could appreciate the Harry Potter movies and kind of like in the same vein you enjoy the movies like The Goonies or Stand By Me. Is You you probably hung out with these kids at one point. You knew the brainy girl or the, the dorky from mm-hmm. Best Friend or whatever. You know, everybody kind of fit into that. In this realm, they're hinging the main character, uh, Newt, what is it, Scaramonger or something like something that? Something like that. Um, he's very, uh, and, and I, he's, uh, what I would say is probably very high on the spectrum of autism. Doesn't yeah.
4: make eye he contact. Has, yeah, he does have very strange mannerisms to him. And, and they definitely
2: play that up even more in this one. And I wonder mm. if there's, if that's why they're trying to build kind of a cohesive group around him, but I... I if there's this kind of break where you can have somebody who's like a Forrest Gump who's charming and, and obviously is dealing with with different issues, yeah. but you can appreciate the situations he finds himself in, this guy just kind of feels alienated throughout the whole movie all the time to me. It doesn't feel like they, you know, mm. like you, you don't question that people care about him, but you just kind of He's it, like, it feels forced. Yeah, yeah, you feel like everybody's forcing this and that they're trying to maybe. And, and I'm all for taking movies and making the the center of the character you know center of the universe somebody that's a more entertaining character somebody that's got a different outlook right yeah. and if you've got an autistic main character, great what are we gonna do with it but don't do it just because yeah. well won't we be cutting edge yeah, if just we put because a, you can an autistic yeah. person in the lead and I don't know that they've ever officially said that's what he is yeah. but having been around some autistic children and, and mm-hmm. adults, the no eye contact, the, the discomfort
4: in being around anyone, the not wanting to be touched, the and whole scenario. That's happening a lot more, too, is um, giving leads traits just so they can say they have a lead with a certain trait rather than you make the lead with the trait and then you write around that. Right. Rather, you write the story and then you think, you know what this story could use is, you know, a guy missing his left hand because that would be interesting. And then they just put that in, but then it doesn't have anything to do with anything. And people are doing that a lot more lately. Well, I think, you know, in the in the
2: reach to make the world more politically correct, they're kind of alienating what made them famous to begin with. You know, when when they're revisiting even in the superhero realm, right? They've yeah. suddenly now... Captain America's a woman mm-hmm. and, yeah, or a black weird. man and, and the new Thor is a woman. I'm sorry. And, you know, this person is is now uh, mm-hmm. Asian or this person is – it. okay, I, I get it. But isn't there enough strong personalities that you could create another Black Panther?
4: Yeah, exactly.
2: That that character can be themselves
4: Yeah, and you don't like, have
2: to reinvent,
4: you know. Yeah, does making someone Asian really change them that much? And if it does, then, you know, why should it? I guess is the question. And they did, you know, with the, the Doctor Who universe.
2: This was after 50-some years, they put a female in the lead yeah. of Doctor Who, which, you know, I understand the progression and the whole idea, and I was very open to this, and my wife and I are, are fans of the show. But it feels like what they've done with the series, in this case, is it feels like we're watching another country's version of Doctor Who.
4: Yeah. Well, it's probably not going to be around for a whole lot longer based I'm, on the viewing. I'm Well, there's vacillating
2: numbers on that of what what's some say it's it's in major decline but it's also had the highest rated ever uh doctor who um Tune ins when it first came out with the you know everyone to see the first yeah the new doctor. yeah the new one yeah but I think what they did was too much radical change at once yeah if they would have brought in a female doctor and kept the same kind of zany fun sci fi yeah, storylines exactly. I think it would have been fine but they tried to give her it's about her being an
4: identity. A female not about the doctor
2: no that's what the that's what the difference is in this they're trying not to address that the doctor is now female so they're giving her stories like dealing with Rosa Parks and dealing with disabilities and dealing oh. with alienation. And, and they're trying to create a new show. Well, the, the problem is the show was great the way it was. Yeah, and if you have, have enough faith that you can create a character who's going to be female and lead the show, let her lead the show. And it, it shouldn't matter whether she's black, green, white, female, male, or alien looking. If you have a good driving force and a good story, go with that. But don't over-politically correct everything yeah. to try to to try to do that. So I like, you know, like I said, the, the visual in the new uh, Fantastic Beast movie is great. Story is just kind of lacking and languishing, and to tell you exactly what it was, I just saw it last night, and I'm not still not quite sure.
4: I know what the theme of the movie is. I yeah, I read a few, um, a few reviews uh, while we were talking about it, and there's a lot of people agree. Yeah, it's, it's actually a, some. Well, of course, some people are saying it's the death of the franchise, which I doubt. That franchise has enough money to go on for the next three thousand years, but it does it sounds like it needs to go somewhere else and fast or else there might not be a part 4 right well cuz there's going to be a part 3 i'm sure
2: possibly yeah i, I just don't know where they're going to take it. it it's i think they need they're almost going to need to infuse major characters from the harry potter verse i'm sure they
4: well they, that's why they were like oh look dumbledore Oh, wow. No, yeah. that cannot be right. What? Oh, it's not out yet, I was going to say. Box office, $10 million? That's pretty bad. Yeah. It's no. not out until tomorrow. Okay. Right. I yeah, didn't it opens even... up nationwide tomorrow. It was out in Paris on the 8th for a week, apparently. And they only made $10 million off it? I guess
2: so. Well, that doesn't bode well either. You would think overseas in the UK area that would be even
4: Well, I mean, I, th- I think it was, it was one of those, like, you know, couple theaters. Kind Test of audience thing? thing. Gotcha. Box Office Mojo will know, maybe. That's a good site when you want to find out anything Box about Box um, Office Mojo. That's the one uh, Lammers uses, too. Oh. It's like, if you want to find oh. out how much a movie made, how many theaters it's in, uh, that is definitely the way to go. Well,
2: you know what I noticed, too, about the audience? I kind of feel like the core audience is going to show up because they kind of feel they have to. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like watching... Um, a TV series that starts to wane after a while. You kind of feel like, well, i got to watch one more just to see if they can make this and turn around. And I kind of get the feeling that there's a false nostalgia for Fantastic Beasts because it's part of the Harry Potter world, and people will follow it just in hopes they'll get a glimpse of Harry or Hermione or, or Harry's parents or something big will play into effect in the future.
4: They definitely should have had more. Like, I don't think they should have just, like, had, you know, Harry comes in and says, look, I'm here from the future, or some cheesy thing like that. But they should have had more, like, little hints, like, you know... Maybe he was in line next to someone who introduces herself as Lily Potter, and then that's all you see. Well, of that's her.
2: what I think they're doing with this one because they are—they've already brought in a Hogwarts, they've brought in Dumbledore, a, yeah. a glimpse of McGonagall, they've made some other references to let you know that there are things happening. Right. Um, you know. So as it, as it progresses, it may turn into that, but it's just kind of like I don't know that you want to take two whole movies to build up to that.
4: Yeah. You they know, should have done it in the first movie. Right. Give, Not, give some don't fun. make Dumbledore a character in the movie, but do say, look, Dumbledore's here, so, you know, who knows what might happen with him in the right. future. Yeah. Well, they kind of, in this one, it had to happen because you understand, and I don't want to do
2: any giveaways on it, no spoilers, but you understand why Dumbledore's a big part of the story. And that's great. I don't mind seeing young characters from yeah. the original movies and get to see where they came from and what's happening, but... uh yeah. So if you're interested, go see it. It's definitely more of a matinee movie. I do think you should see it on the big scope because the screen and the visuals are stunning. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, and it's one of those that I think if you wait till you get it on Netflix or Redbox, you'll wish you would have seen it on a big screen just for the effect.
4: Well, I mean, hey, an 8K television is only like twelve thousand dollars. So how big is that? <laughs> uh, Seventy inch. Oh. Seventy inch 8K monitor, that'll do it. But eight you K. Know. 8K, yes. Oh. That's the new... So that just looks like I'm looking out the window? Basically. That clear? Well, yeah. 4K is already, like... It's so clear that you can barely tell the difference between it and reality. But for 8K, I think, might be, like, it's too much. Like, the human eye can't even tell. But when when I, I guess got... we'll see in 10, to 15 years. When
2: I got my high-definition TV, it was almost disconcerting because it was too clear yeah does that make sense mm-hmm. i felt like well it looks too clean it i i know that sounds it's not ridiculous TV. well
4: it's like when people say that um they didn't like uh what was that movie the um the hobbit because of the higher frame rate they didn't like it because it didn't look like a movie which really right. is a nonsense thing to say if you think about it but because it didn't have the slightly choppy or blurry frame rate of a movie they didn't like it just because it's not what they were used to. I, and I understand that because when I got the high def TV and
2: I watched yeah. it and you're watching these shows, I feel like I'm not watching a show. I'm watching somebody's home video.
4: Yeah. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, and it's weird maybe because we don't know how to put it in the right context mm-hmm. of how to explain it. Because you are watching some guy with a camera. Right. It's just when it was blurrier, <laughs> it was easier to like, dis you know, remove yourself from the idea that you're just watching someone move a camera around. Right. But you are.
2: Yeah, there's that. Uh, there's that. That kind of break between you and what you're watching. Yeah. Although we're not far away now, you've seen all of these different projects that are coming out with holograms and 3D. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how much longer till we're in a completely immersive world where we've got the wraparound glasses, and while we're watching the movie, we can tilt our heads to see different. Ratios where
4: it's going to happen pretty soon. That
2: can't be too far
4: away. I actually had a thing, um, it's on my phone even. Um, the Samsung has a thing that you can snap your phone into and it turns into a VR thing, right? And uh, there was like a little uh Lego Batman thing where uh, you just uh put the phone in the thing and then you put the goggles on and then you're basically on like a little um, like a monorail kind of thing going down the track and you know stuff's happening you're in Batman's cave and he's there talking to you and everything but you can look around and you can see you know oh really so it's giving it's, you it's, a 360 it's it's a 360 degree it's basically a 360 degree movie does it give you um did it give you headache did it give you any kind of see when i've I used the vr I would goggles, get sick but i didn't i, I did <laughs> I was sure I was going to get sick because I have bad car sickness, but Uh if you're sitting down, it helps a lot. Okay. Yeah. Standing up, a lot of people get sick, but not so much when they're sitting down for some reason. Gotcha. Gotcha. But see,
2: I can't watch shaky cam movies. I break into sweats.
4: They just make me.
2: I like, feel my sick. eyes hurt. Yeah, it's well, it's because it's tricking your brain. Yeah, there's visual movement, and yeah, your brain's like something's wrong moving. here. So it tricks your brain into believing you've been poisoned. Did you yeah. know that? Mm-hmm. So that's why you start sweating and you feel nauseous. Your body's thinking, "We right, gotta get this yeah. out of us," which is weird. But the VR stuff, I'd love to see. But I think we're not far from that visual world. Not far, yeah. And there's that concert now. Um, I think it came out last year. Roy Orbison concert in england where it was a holographic roy orbison on stage performing with an orchestra Hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's it was interesting because while he's playing he would turn to the you know to the bandmates when they were doing certain things so obviously they saw the video they knew what they were doing so they would make the motion in time with the Mm. with what was going on the other thing i noticed though with with a character like roy orbison in a hologram form I could basically put a Roy Orbison wig and, and glasses on you and have you go up and lip sync, and I could film the whole thing and then put in a much cleaner hologram. Yeah. Because Oh, totally, I, yeah. to me, it, it almost, again, looked too clean. I, I was like, I don't know if I'm looking at Roy Orbison or somebody mm-hmm. dressed up like Roy Orbison being shot against this with lip syncing to actual Orbison music. Yeah. But do you think we need to, the chance to see some of these celebrities perform again and, and get a chance to see them come out. I mean, to me, it's kind of fascinating, uh, but I don't, you know, then what is the ticket price? Should I pay full yeah. $50, 60 ticket price to see a, a, basically a visual representation? Yeah,
4: that would be a little, I mean, there is a lot that goes into making those, but there's also the fact that you're paying, as long as the artist doesn't get, too much for not doing anything, I guess, is the thing. Well, most of them, I think, are going to be dead artists revisited. Uh, well, then I guess that's why. Let's, uh, we'll
2: take
0: a break. We'll come back. I've got some strange news stories right here on The Tom Bernard Show. It's Tom with an update on my successful weight loss journey. I'm down 92.5 pounds, and I have the Sheehy brothers and staff at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth to thank. The Nutrimost program is amazing. i lost over 40 pounds during each of my first two 40-day rounds. This is a program that Literally, it's a program that anyone can do, and you'll have great success just like me because it is customized for each individual person, and the staff at Nutramost Twin Cities in Plymouth will be there for you every step of the way. Nutramost just wants everybody to live their healthiest life, so they're offering an early bird Black Friday sale for a very limited time. You, your family, and friends can receive 25 to 35% off the cost of a Nutramost program, and Nutramost will guarantee that you'll lose 20 pounds or more. Nutramo's helped me change my life, and they can help you too. Health savings accounts are welcome, by the way. To schedule an appointment, call 763-333-7337, 763-333-7337.
2: Maybe we're coming too far along as we're talking about technology and entertainment. Maybe we're coming too far along that we're going to bastardize too much of this. I'm I'm all for kind of the concept. I thought it was pretty cool at the end of Rogue One to see a young Carrie Fisher. Yeah. Right? Spoiler alert in case you haven't seen it. But I, I thought it was pretty cool the way they did that. Uh, although, to me, I still think they're way in their infancy of that. We'll have to see when they come out with the 20th anniversary edition of Rogue One and they've figured out how
4: to make it look better. Because, to me, it looked like a rubber mask of Carrie yeah, Fisher.
1: Yeah, it was too clean.
4: And We're in, yeah. I'm, have you heard of the Uncanny Valley? No. It's a concept that basically says that um, as things get uh, more realistic, mm-hmm. uh they become more familiar looking so like toy story 1 versus toy story 3 3 looks like you know 1 kind of looks weird now mm-hmm. because 3 oh, looks the better animation yeah but once you get to a certain point the familiarity drops way down because it's so close to reality but something's just off about it it's mm-hmm. like you know seeing someone with you know a neurological disorder or something it's like Something is just slightly off, but you don't know what exactly. Which is why I think
2: Toy Story was smart to not include too much of the human element. Yeah, Because they couldn't get... As realistic as the toys look and the, the houses and everything else... When they tried to do the human form, yeah. human, it's too difficult don't, to do. Don't, they don't look right, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, like even the what was it, Polar Express movie? When they did that, a kind of motion capture. Yeah, stuff, that's just weird it's to me.
4: Really yeah. weird looking. It doesn't look right. It's uh, it, it leaves me feeling uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, which is so weird to say, right? I mean, place, it is what it is.
4: The place just before indistinguishable from reality is the worst place to be, basically, mm-hmm. and that's the place that we're. Uh, I don't think we're quite in yet, but we're very close. Have so you things those... are going to get a lot worse, and then they're going to get better once we figure out how to you know, just make it look like it's real.
2: Have you seen those? Um, like, I think they were at the Las Vegas terminals at the airport. But they have these like um, clear outlines of people, uh, and it'll have like a suit on. And then as you approach it, it projects a face onto this and it'll start talking to you. Hey, welcome to the Las Vegas terminal, blah, blah, blah. Mm. And it'll start talking. And That's it's very, creepy. it's very uh, total recall mm-hmm. kind of feel to it. Um, like you're looking at a, a, you know, plastic figure standing in front of you. Or they've got the mannequin faces now that they project a human hologram mm-hmm. face over, which is, you know, we were talking about the Roy Orbison concert that looks just a little off. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like that horrible uh what do they call the hologram concert with michael Mm -hmm. when he was on stage you could see that what they were doing was projecting his face onto something else and it just looked off off and weird yeah
1: Yeah, i think they had a dancer do the 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 movements with his face
2: kind of painted
1: yeah it was very bizarre it wasn't done very well
2: and i understand we're in the infancy of trying to do this but in some cases i'm wondering if if We should, although you know, wouldn't you give anything? It'd be kind of cool to be able to eventually project Michael Jackson on stage with the Beatles, Mm
4: -hmm. Mm.
2: and and see the super band of you know Elton or Elton John, Elvis Presley, and um, John Lennon performing together on stage. Right, that might be kind of a cool setup. Although fantasy
4: football, but for musicians, right?
2: But there's still that disconnect. I wonder if it'll still be as fulfilling. Uh, because it is weird, you know, I went and so we saw the Fab Four concert, which you realize what you're really going to see is just a tribute band. Mm-hmm. but it's the spectacle of it that makes it so exciting. Yeah, will that be the same if you're going just to watch projections on a on a stage of people that are long dead?
1: I don't know, because I, I would have to be in the moment to experience, you know, explain what I'm feeling. I can't... I mean, like, it would be cool for me to see a projection of Prince, like the Purple Ring concert. Like, if mm-hmm. he did the whole concert, I think I would be a, ecstatic to see and be excited to be there.
2: Right, because that's an iconic point. But would, would, mm-hmm. would you want to just go see a mishmash of celebrity holograms perform on stage?
1: No, I think the only way I would enjoy be like want to go and be there um if it was kind of like a a memorial type event um because then you have a lot of emotion mixed in there and everything else but just to go to a concert and to see a hologram of somebody that's not my cup of tea
2: well -hmm. they've got speaking of the technology too netflix has that movie the irishman Mm
0: -hmm. that's
2: coming out de niro pacino even joe pesci came out to do this it's Scorsese's movie, and he's bringing them all together. But part of the reason it's so expensive, I guess, is for part of the movie, they're de-aging mm-hmm. all of them. Now, they de-aged Kurt Russell that was amazing yes. in the movie Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Mm. It looks like Kurt Russell from 19... 19- 60, Eighty? No, eight? no, no. He was He was still a kid at
4: that point. Yeah. In was the seventies, he? he was starting to turn into a man. Yeah. He, oh, was, he was. He was a kid actor through the sixties. He was born in fifty one. So right. sixty eight, he would have been seventy. Yeah. So I still, thought he did some acting young.
1: in like the early seventies. Well, he did. 60, he did. 60s. He
4: did through the sixties, but he was a kid actor. He
2: was in oh, Disney okay. movies. And then he slowly made his way. Like he did the Elvis movie, I think in seventy six or so, just before Elvis died.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but. They made him look in that that era, and it was great. Um, Some of the de-aging does not look great, Mm. um, but it's going to be interesting to see them de-age all all of these these, major characters through most of the movie
5: Mm -hmm.
4: to see how it plays out. Um, I feel like seeing that, seeing yourself de-aged, would be kind of like, I don't know, sad. (laughs) (laughs) Look how I used to be. I was good-looking once. Uh,
2: Yeah, it's it's interesting. The technology of entertainment, I, I'd be interested in seeing where it goes. I, you know, t- talking about the holographic concerts, you know what I might be more willing to do? Is if it's one of those wraparound VR concerts where I'm literally... Those are going to be I much... could sit at home, listen to yeah. it, and watch it as though I'm in the, st- in mm-hmm. the stadium as part of the concert. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, to me, and that might even be the way to go for people that can't afford... The insane ticket
4: prices. Yeah, that. For too. those
2: people that want to go live to the concert, you can go see Paul McCartney live and spend your two three hundred bucks a ticket, right? But for those that can't, yeah, here's a chance for you to see him in a VR mm-hmm. way for twenty five bucks, right, or fifty bucks. That
4: I think that would be pretty uh pretty popular, and you're just brought into the the deal. But if you
2: look around, I mean, you have those three hundred and sixty degree cameras now that are filming in full three hundred and sixty degree. Yeah. So if it gave you that opportunity, and those are the cameras, you could choose mm-hmm. which angle you're going to look at. I just wonder if they'd have to have... I don't know how they do that yet. Technologically, I don't know if they can parcel it out that... Like synchronize that the cameras 10,000 perfectly? 10,000 of us, as I turn my head to the left and you're going to the right, are going to see the parts we're looking for. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's
4: at that point. They would just have to have many cameras overlapping that are synchronized very well, which I think they could do. I don't think that would be a huge problem. I do know, like... I think it was last. It was like New Year's or something like that. I um on the the VR thing that I was talking about, I had the option to like watch. I don't know. It was like the London fireworks or something as they were happening in 360 VR. So, oh really? Yeah, they've got them. They've got that kind of thing. It's still in like a kind of a prototype beta, stage, beta stage. Yeah, but I don't think it's that far off. Very Especially cool. since you can just plop your phone in there and have it work. It's like you know everyone's got a phone pretty much and it doesn't but have to be still
2: limits you to direct in front of your face. I'm talking like those wraparounds that give you that's going to be a while I think. side perspectives, which I know they're already working on, but
4: it, I think that's going to be that immersive yeah. situation. The screens that are able to do that are. Yeah, I'd, I'd say, well, the real problem with that is they're still using the technology where they have lenses in the headsets that focus on the screen and as long as they're using lenses, you're going to be limited to where, you know, inside a lens. It's like wearing glasses. I can see outside of my glasses, and there's they don't make glasses that you can't see outside of. Mm-hmm. So really, the only way to do that would be either figuring out how to make screens that... Well, I'm not s- talking
2: about the screens. I'm talking about it being projected on the lens itself, like a VR, you know, so that mm-hmm. kind of like Google Glass would pop it up and, and right, you could see yeah. the scroll. If you had the wraparound sunglasses, like the old people's sunglasses, you know, that go over your glasses, that come around the sides, if you're able to project, if that's the mini Projection's LCD screen, be, yeah, inside your your realm, that should be, I think, probably where they'll where they'll take it next.
4: Or in well, in the distant future, I think it's going to be in the form of something like a contact. You just put it in your eye, and there you go. It's a screen. That would work very very well. Talk about but messing with depth perception, though. Holy cow! Yeah, that. Uh, And especially, it's like, you know, you, uh, the, like, it, it won't turn off or something. It's like it, it freezes and then you can't see. That wouldn't be good. No. (laughs) You you just got a frozen picture of a concert in your eye. it starts to short out on your eye. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's not going to be good either. Yeah. Considering VR headsets, uh, they still need to be, they take a lot of power. They get pretty warm, uh, not in your face, but they're big because they get warm you know, elsewhere. Right. Um, a lot of them need to be plugged in. So we're still quite a ways off from that kind, of, that kind of thing. I don't even know if it's going to be possible. Getting that much power in the form of a contact lens. Yeah. But a wraparound projector kind of But something of thing. would have to be... See,
2: in the glasses, you could actually have something that's projecting
4: onto the lens. From a contact, where would that be coming from? Well, I mean, like it would be actually inside your... Well, pu- not inside your pupil, but like right on your pupil, so that anything that appears on the contact is all you'll be able to see. Because anything coming from the outside will be blocked by the contact. Okay.
2: You'd have a lot of people
4: like myself that can't
2: wear contacts that would just absolutely
4: be bummed out. Yeah. I yeah. Well, actually, in that vein, um, I have a Windows VR headset that you plug into your computer, and it can do a lot more things than the phone one. Uh, but for, for whatever reason... The lenses that are inside there aren't adjustable, so mm-hmm. what you see is going to be based on how good your eyesight is. And my eyesight is horrible, so the only way I can <laughs> use them is with contacts. Gotcha. Because these, my glasses won't fit in there. Right. So they they still are. Like, if you have bad eyes, then you're pretty much screwed. Although, the weird thing is, this one can be uh, focused. So, you know, my $300 Windows headset can't be focused, but the $50 Samsung one can. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I don't know.
0: Weird.
2: Now, New Jersey family terrorized by The Watcher is finally opening up about their creepy ordeal. Mm. A New Jersey family terrorized for years by a mysterious figure only known as The Watcher shared new details of the harrowing ordeal in an interview published Tuesday. When Derek and Maria Broaddus bought their home in Westfield in 2014, they fulfilled a lifelong dream. But soon after closing, it became a nightmare as the family began getting letters from the watcher, a shadowy figure who cryptically referred to secrets hidden in the house. According to the cut, the watcher who appeared to threaten the Broaddus's three children by name. It has been years and years since the young blood ruled the hallways of the house. Have you found all the secrets it holds yet? Will the young blood play in the basement or are they too afraid to go down there alone? That's what one letter read. According to the cut. I would be very afraid if I were them. It is far away from the rest of the house. If you were upstairs, you'd never hear them scream. The family members eventually reached their breaking point and went to live with Maria's parents. The Broddises first attempted to sell the home, which they had bought for nearly 1.4 million, but they couldn't find a buyer. I was a depressed wreck, Derek told the cut. It's like cancer. Sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night thinking, what would my life be like if I didn't, if this didn't happen? We lost Christmas a couple times, and you just don't get that back. Maria told the outlet she would uh, have terrifying nightmares about the watcher, including one dream involving a man wearing these boots, carrying a pitchfork, and calling to the kids. The letters were delivered to the Broaddus' home through the mail. The letters had been processed at a U.S. Postal Service distribution center in Kearney, Located about 20 miles west uh, or northeast of Westfield, the Broaduses con- uh, contracted the home's previ- Good God! The Broaduses contacted the home's previous owners to see if they too had been subjected to the Watchers' torment. Andrea Woods, who had lived at the home with her husband John, told the Broadus family she once received a letter from a person claiming it was their turn to watch the house too, according to the cut. But Andrea said it was the only such letter she received in 23 years at the Westfield property, and she ended up just throwing it away. The increasingly desperate Broaddus family then called in several experts, including a former FBI agent to crack the case. But that investigation is stalled and only succeeded in ruling a few suspects out. Some neighbors have even been accused uh, of the, or have even accused the family of making this whole mystery up. There's a natural tendency to say, I've lived here for 35 years, nothing's happened to me, Derek Broaddus said. What happened to my family is an affront to their contention that they're safe. And that there's no such thing as mental illness in their community. People don't want to believe this could happen in Westfield. The Broaddus family no longer lives at the home, but instead rents it out, Derek Broaddus told the Cut. He and his wife try to avoid the house unless they absolutely have to and noted that the family is losing money as the rent they paid doesn't cover the property's uh, mortgage. What a weird story. We'll keep uh, updating on this as, as more information comes out. Stay tuned. We've got more coming your way right here on the Tom Bernard Show.
0: Tom Bernard here to tell you Priority Courier Experts has immediate openings for drivers looking for more. Priority drivers are independent contractors who set their own hours, start from their own driveways, and deliver local on-call parcels and freight, which means you're home for dinner every night, and you get paid weekly. Right now, Priority's driver-friendly lease-to-own program has brand new dock trucks, flatbeds, curtain sides, and tractor trailers just waiting to be driven home. And Priority's also offering a $4,000 sign-on bonus to qualified drivers. So if you've got the skills, we can get you qualified to start driving a brand new truck in as little as three days. Calling all drivers. Come get the $4,000 sign-on bonus you deserve for all the knowledge and experience you bring to the delivery business. Call our fleet reps right now at 651-748-4477 or visit them online at Priority.com. Priority Courier Experts. Every time you call us, we deliver. Saber and Bryant whatever it takes
2: Welcome back to the show this is the Tom Bernard show joining me now Dr D Carroll a speaker coach and consultant dedicated to helping people liberate themselves from their past and reinvent their lives After a devastating setback in her own life, Dr. D beat the odds to recreate a beautiful life for herself and is determined to help others do the same as the emotional emancipation doctor. She aims to lead you to success, empower you to achieve your goals, and guide you to where you want to be. Hey, I support that kind of work, doctor. Thank you for joining us today.
5: My pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me.
2: Your book is Emotional Emancipation, Step Into Your Freedom, Reinvent Your Challenges, and Move Beyond. Uh, Fascinating concept, man. I I know there are a lot of people in the world, including myself, that need that kind of kick and and trying to figure out how we can empower ourselves to take back our lives, reinvent, and and not be held back by the fears that have have held us back and, and kept us for a long time. Why is that such an innate part of us? I mean, we've got the survivor instinct, but yet we're so easy to shut down and and fold in because of fears.
5: Yes, fear creates challenges. And we have to look at those challenges as opportunities to imagine a new future. You know, we can use those challenges to create a new life of happiness, as opposed to just seeing it as another trial or tribulation and an adversity.
2: What are some of the, the, you know, for listeners across the world that are tuning in and checking out the show today and in podcast form, what are some of the tips you want to instill on people? You know, something that they could start today. And of course, we want them to get the book so they can, you know, broaden it and and learn even more. But what are some things people can do today to start enacting a change in their life?
5: I suggest that people seize the moment, accept that failure with grace see it as just a life happens moment because living in this world we're going to face life happen situations and we have to see those situations as just a storm and that storm is going to pass one of the key things i say is change your perception and you will change your mindset go outside look at the sky do you see the sky as, as sunny and blue or do you see dark and, and dreary? It doesn't matter what you see, it's your perception of what you see. So why not let the sun shine in?
2: That, and that's a great concept. You know, as somebody who has lived with a lifelong um, dealing of depression, it's only been in the last few years I've, I've adopted that thought that now, instead of looking at depression as this kind of predator stalking me in the night, I've approached it more as a storm. I know it's coming. I can see it coming. And instead of constantly trying to outrun it, I now just turn. I let the storm hit me, wash over me. And then I try to just envision that storm and the rain is clearing and freshening. And as it blows over, which I know it's going to because the storm always ends, once I come out the other side, I'll just be cleaner. I'll I'll have purged a lot of that. And that has helped me continue to move forward and deal with depression. So it sounds like we're kind of on that same uh, ideological pathway that you're you're referring to of letting it be a storm instead of uh, uh, an enemy.
5: Absolutely. I say in addition to that, because you're on the right track, I say in addition to that, take ownership of the fear. Oftentimes we allow fear to own us. We want to take that back and take ownership. And what does taking ownership mean? Simply taking a stand to fear no more. Receive it, embrace it, and move beyond it.
2: People love to stop, examine the things that are hardships in their lives, and instead of looking at it, learning from it, and discarding it, they hold it up like a shield. Like, I am this way because... Of this, and because this happened to me, that happened to me, and instead of allowing to say, hey, I've learned from these experiences, those experiences were tough, but I've come through it, it's pity me, feel bad for me, understand me, I can treat you like this, Dr. Carroll, and I only yelled at you because I've had to go through all of this. Instead of kind of letting it go, why do we feel so um, enamored with the idea of holding on to horrific moments in our life and holding on to these things? as a shield or almost like a badge of honor as opposed to letting it go and not letting it rule us or, or define who we are?
5: Because fear will, uh, it doesn't allow us, I should say, to see the adversity as a challenge. We see it as woe is me, uh, my whole life has come to an end, and it pushes us oftentimes to substance abuse or suicidal thoughts. Instead, we want to see this as just a challenge. It's just a challenge. And in life, you go to school, you, you have challenges in classes, you have subjects that give you a bit of you know, a, a pause, or you may even have a relationship or family member that presents a challenge to you. That's what we have to see fear as. It is not insurmountable, and it is certainly not the end of the world.
2: Fears uh, have a, an interesting way of ruling and controlling us. Um, I, I know I've been working on it. I, I know many people that do, and sometimes it just it's it's defeating uh, Dr. Carroll, right? Because I, as much as I want to face some of these fears, I can't seem to press past them. I can't. I can't break that wall in front of me to say, okay, uh, you know, I'll survive this worst case scenario. And I've heard that. Right. All right. Look at it. What's the worst thing? If you do this, the worst possible thing that could happen is and once you've kind of confronted that, it's supposed to free you so that you can realize, okay, if that's the worst, I can deal with that. But that doesn't work well for me or a lot of people. We can't. We can't push past that fear to become what we want to be, to allow our lives to flourish the way it should be. Um, Is it because we're looking at fear in a logical form and it's actually more of an emotionally based tie and emotion doesn't run on the same thought process?
5: Yes. Yes, you hit it right on the head. And and the thing that we don't often do is... Forgive ourselves, and that is the one thing that we need to do first. Forgive yourself for being in that place that you're in. Love yourself. And those two things oftentimes will set you on the pace or put you where you need to be to start this new venture, to start this new approach. It is not the easiest thing for people to face, but Quitting is not an option, and when you allow fear to come in, <laughs> excuse me, it controls you. It defeats you. It breaks you all the way down, and that's not where you, you don't want to allow that. You want to take control of your own destiny. Now, imagine this four-letter word having so much of an impact that it can change who you are. It can uh, chart out your path for your future. You don't want that to happen. Take ownership of that fear and deal with it. Face it hand on.
2: Oh, but Dr. Carroll, it's not just me. My boss is horrible. My kids don't listen. My my <laughs> spouse is uh, always putting me down. I've put on that extra weight. I can't figure out how to get up. We're such a victim to our own lifestyles, mm. and and we have a hundred yeah. reasons why we can't push past fear. Um, uh, you know, I mean, are there how, – how dedicated does one have to be to, to shatter this? Uh, you know, I want all the change in the world, but, man, I can see every storm cloud that's going to come in, in my way between here and that goal line. How how do we start to restructure the brain and our thinking so that we can stop focusing on that negativity? It, it, that's That chatter, that mind chatter, that monkey chatter that always – you know chirping in our ear telling us how we can't do things that does seem to continually roll it and do we start by teaching our kids at an early age how to defeat that um instead of waiting till i'm 51 and it's deeply ingrained and now i got to figure out how to recalibrate and reboot my entire system
5: yes i definitely suggest that we as parents you know take our children early in life and teach them about fear, teach them about emotional baggage and holding on to the negativity, even down to riding the bike. When the kids fall off the bike, you, you grab them, you kiss, you know, oh, mommy's gonna kiss it and it's gonna go away. As opposed to saying, hey, look, this is what happens in life. You're gonna fall off the bike maybe again. And in life, you're gonna fall off certain situations or certain things or endeavors that you embark on, but it's okay. You pick yourself up, you brush yourself off, and you get inward. You go inward with this and deal with it. How did it make you feel? You know, what did those feelings lead you to think and to do? Control those uh, feelings. Control your feelings. Get in touch with those and move on. I have this little analogy that I like to present to people, and that is I came home late one night, and uh what turned on the tube, couldn't find anything. All I could find was boxing, you know on the movie channels, and so I thought,, oh, I'm not really a fan of boxing, but allow me to just sit here and watch this, Maybe I can learn something. Well, this guy was getting the beat down, uh <laughs> eyes swollen, blood running down his cheeks, you know the bell rang, they ran into the corner, the bell rang out, they came. The guy that was getting the beatdown came out swinging like nobody's business, landing some punches and missing others. All of a sudden, he mustered up enough strength to knock his opponent out and won the fight. So what do you see here? If you stay in the game, you may just win. But if you give up prematurely, the rest is history. So know when fear attacks, quitting is not an option you want to see yourself through this and don't just suppress it and internalize it instead you want to walk yourself through this situation and you're going to own that fear
2: that's a great concept uh and, and a great analogy to look at too you're right how many times have we seen a sporting team that is so far behind and you, then you've got a leader like an Aaron Rodgers or a Brett Favre or a Peyton Manning yes. or a Tom Brady, when the rest of the world is throwing their yes. hands up saying, this is over, this war is it's is over. won, <laughs> all of a sudden, the general steps behind the, the gun and you just start seeing things happen that defy logic, defy defy explanation. And it's because they didn't buy into the same concept all the rest of us did. That's exactly
5: Right. Quitting is not an option. It's your life. And I also want to share one other thing with you, and that is I tell people all the time, your life is a story. It's a book. The first chapter of your life is your birth. The last chapter is your death. And all the chapters in between represent the life you live. So look at that and decide to write your own story. Don't allow your story to be written for you. So if you're plagued by fear and you're frozen by it, guess what? Your story will be written for you.
2: Right, and, and you want to remain the author of that narrative, not allowing other people, not allowing others to be the, the ones that choose what pages go into your story.
5: Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Misfortune has to be received as a gift because there's no growth without adversity. So that fear, you take it and see it as a challenge, not as a major catastrophe, and now you're going to change your mindset, you're going to grow beyond that adversity, and you're going to move on with a productive life.
2: You know, Dr. Carroll, I do a show Um, during the week that that features the paranormal and the supernatural and the strange. And your story just reminds me of um, everybody's familiar with the case of the Amityville horror. Christopher Lutz was the youngest boy in that family and lived a life where he was tormented and and beaten and abused and treated like crap because of his family's fame and the story and being told he was a fake and a fraud. Not till he was an adult that he sit down and read the book that changed his life. He read the book that had been written about him and his family and said, Dave, it was like looking at a box of photographs from somebody else's family and me telling their story. He said, now I saw who shaped my story for me. And once he took that back, he became a more well-rounded person. Once he realized that he was not going to let somebody else write his story anymore and he would tell his own and he would become the author, he became a much more empowered person. You're right. That is a fascinating aspect of it. And I think if people can engage that concept to take back their power and stop giving power to everything else in the world and victimization, there is a much bigger, brighter, bolder world in front of us. Dr. D. Carroll, Thank you for joining us. Emotional Emancipation, step into your freedom, reinvent your challenges, and move beyond. That's the book. We'll have a link up to that. That's it for today, folks. Thank you all for tuning in. I'll be back again tomorrow right here on The Tom Bernard Show.